Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. We welcome you in. It is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM here on a Monday, just after the noon hour there on the East Coast, 9 a.m. here in Las Vegas. I'm Ben Wilson from our South Point Sportsbook Studio. We've got Michael Lombardi as well. Uh, as always, Michael, excited for another Monday show with you. AFC North, we're going to go deep into that division today. And uh, here we're starting to get some of the PUP guys coming out. It is, it's that lovely time of year, right, where it's, uh, it's dead everywhere else. And we're getting ready here just a couple weeks out from now, the Hall of Fame game. And most teams going to be entering camp here this week. No doubt. I mean, I think Jacksonville goes in today. The Raiders uh, will put the pads on on Wednesday, so we'll start to have some collisions. And I think what fans have to understand about the PUP list, Ben, at first is that this doesn't mean the end of the season. All this Mm -hmm. means is a player, for some reason, did not pass his physical. And that really takes the club away from having to be accountable for the salary. Now, a lot of guys that didn't pass the physical, they're going to get paid. They're going to get healthy again. They're going to come off PUP. But some of the players that from the injury of a prior year, the club protects itself from a, from having to absorb the injury. So that's why you're seeing so many guys. It may be guys just didn't pass the running test. It may be guys just have a slight tweak or they found something in the physical. But I wouldn't make too much about it, especially guys coming off of injuries like Michael Thomas, for example, Mm -hmm. from the New Orleans Saints. You know, he's going to kind of – they want to gradually get him in. You just don't want to have him start. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's a problem. Because it gives the club the ability that if something goes wrong in the first couple weeks that maybe they could IR him or put him on PUP reserve – until the middle of the season. So it's just options for teams. No, it's a good point you make. And yeah, it, it's the natural thing where a lot, like a lot of these franchises that I'm sure fans around them are saying, Oh, like time to panic on some of these guys. I mean, you saw the Packers had what nine different guys go on the, on the PUP yeah. list, including Dave, David Bakhtiari might be the one you'd be somewhat concerned about just because of yeah. how lengthy the injury has been. Right. Michael, I would say that's, that's the one guy, especially how he is a cornerstone of your O line and a, a longtime protector of Aaron Rodgers' blindside. Right. No, no doubt. I mean, they need him, and they need to be very cautious with him. I mean, if they could get him on the field, get him to play 17 games, get him – you know, he hasn't played in so long. They're going to have to get him some – they're going to have to send him – they're going to have to get him some reps so Mm -hmm. he can – not just first game of the year, he's out there all of a sudden, right? So they're going to have to do a little bit to get him going, but they've got to be really careful because, look, it's hard, and I think we saw it in the 49er game. It's hard to win without a great left tackle. It's hard to get to where you need to go when you have issues in the offensive line. Especially a guy like that who is viewed as an elite, elite piece there for Green Bay. One other name I wanted to throw at you who's actually not going to open on the PUP list. This has to be good news. You mentioned Jacksonville. They are putting on they will be opening camp here this week. Again, it's the Jaguars Raiders who will be in that Hall of Fame game. The very first time we'll get to somewhat of a preseason game here in a couple weeks' time. James Robinson, though, not going to open on the PUP list. Coming back from a torn Achilles there from week 16 last year. That, that uh, just came out. Doug Peterson was addressing the media here this morning. So good news, it c- certainly seems like, in his yeah. recovery from, for Jacksonville. 
You know, it, it's amazing. You know, when I was a kid growing up, a guy got an Achilles injury that was the end of his career. And now they're coming back within inside of a year. Medicine has just dramatically changed the player's rehab and how quickly they can come back from injury. So it's great to see James Robinson. I mean, he's done a really good job for them, and they're going to need him. I think what you'll see is you'll see Jacksonville hopefully get some semblance of who are they offensively. I think that's the mm-hmm. hardest thing to understand about, you know, what are these second-year quarterbacks going to be like next year. I mean, the only guy really that we know who's going to be like he was last year is Mac Jones, right? I don't know what Justin Fields is going to be offensively. I don't know what Trevor Lawrence is going to be. And I certainly have really have a hard time understanding, you know, where all this is going to take us as we go down the road. Zach Wilson is another guy. Where is he going to be? So to me, you know, once Jacksonville kind of gets some identity, we can then start evaluating Trevor Lawrence. And at least if you're going to have somewhat of a full complement of running backs there, that, that's at least the start, and that is what they certainly believe in. Doug Peterson saying they're still, they're still hopeful and optimistic that a mid-August timetable for return there is, is what it ends up being for, uh, for James Robinson, but at least not on the PUP list to begin things as they open camp this week. Uh, as far as some of the other topics we're going to hit on today, like I said, AFC North, we're going to begin our breakdown in just a couple minutes. But as always, on a Monday, we'll have Thomas Gable from the Borgata join us in about a half hour time Harry Gagnon back on the show from the against all odds podcast and a former Vegas sportsbook supervisor always great to have Harry for sure there'll be some laughs on the show that'll be at the top of the next hour Josh Applebaum with his daily market insights podcast will uh, I'm sure give us some MLB action that he is sweating today coming up in about an hour and a half one other I guess one other name this will just transition Michael into the AFC North discussion I remember right we talked about this last week when Ian Rappaport comes out he says J.K. Dobbins would would likely be missing the start of the year Dobbins fires back on Twitter. Is like, no, I don't know where your sources are coming from. I might not even be on the PUP list. Well, he's on the PUP list, and that is how the Ravens camp will begin <laughs> as, they, as they try to just turn the page from a disastrous injury plague 2021. I don't know if disastrous is maybe too strong of a word, Michael, but when you consider the talent on that no, roster it's, it's, and, how, and how many guys they miss. Especially in the offensive line, it was a disaster. You know, they, they lost Stanley. They, they traded Orlando Brown in the offseason. They didn't have a right tackle. They thought Villanueva could come through for them. You know, they, they had a bad offseason. I mean, look, one thing when you stand in front of your team and, and you face the year, it's just not all the players who had a bad year, right? I mean, I, I don't think the Ravens had a very good year with their offseason planning. And so, you know, last year it cost them. They didn't have enough depth. They traded they traded Hunter. They, they traded uh, – the, the tight end to Atlanta, you know, and that took away a lot of the inside passing game away from, you know, Hayden Hurst. They traded him to Atlanta, which takes away a lot of the inside passing game, which put Andrews really, he became more of the focal point. They did that. Their offensive line got older. So this is a critical year, I think, for Baltimore. I mean, we're going to see where they – I mean, the fact that they were in so many games last year is remarkable. What they do defensively is also going to be – I mean, they lost both starting corners at one point during the season, you know, and so now they're going to have to fix that. Is there – at least Campbell's not the same player he once was. Can they get some pass rush? A lot of questions going into the year. But I, I like that they signed Mike Davis, the running back mm-hmm. from Atlanta who got cut. He's always good when he works for nothing. When Mike Davis is kind of working for a contract, he's a good player. When Mike Davis gets a contract, he's not a good player. Now he doesn't have a contract, he'll be a good player. It's funny how that sometimes works out with certain guys in the National Football League. It, it, it's and, amazing. Uh, it, it, like, like clockwork. It, no, not every player, but certainly, yeah, Mike Davis. You've owned it, not him in the past. is one of those guys who fits that billing. And for a team, too, it, it's always, you know, we always hesitate making just, like, great, bland statements about certain teams, especially heading into a season. But I remember us doing that last year with Baltimore with all the guys they lost, and especially just juxtaposed with the closeness to the start of week one where a, m- a number of those injuries happened. And we just kind of felt like this, this team just appears to be doomed here from the outset so on the flip side there's been Michael just this general sense of well now that the guys will presumably healthy we should just automatically assign them a I, I guess a positive regression type uh, nameplate to their overall team this year do you do you buy into things like that where just because a team was super super banged up last year you're just automatically ex- expecting them to to bounce back in the health department this year well I, I think it starts and ends with their quarterback I mean Lamar's got to bounce back to the Lamar of 19 not the Lamar of 21 you know they did not throw the ball Lamar did not play to the level that we were used to seeing him play he played more to a playoff level and, and I think a lot of it showed up you know he started he did start 12 games he was seven and five in those games but he threw 13 interceptions 
you know, in, in those 12 games. He turned the ball over too much. He wasn't as accurate as he needed to be. I mean, all his numbers were significantly the worst numbers of his NFL career last year. Now, we'll say in all that, he got sacked 38 times, Ben, in, mm-hmm. in the 12 games he started. His sack percentage was at 9, which is ridiculous for a guy who can move as well as he can move. So 9% of the time he went back to pass, his sack percentage, he got sacked which, you know, shouldn't happen. I mean, the first, you know, last year, the year he won the MVP, only got sacked 23 times. His QBR rating was down to 50. You know, his, his, so his rating just overall was at 87, which was significantly lower than 113 when he won the MVP. So a lot of this is on Lamar. But I think a lot of this is really on, uh, uh, on, on the offensive coordinator. I, I think it's on Greg Roman. I think Greg Roman's got to have a better year. I think Greg Roman had a bad year. I think the fact that they had so many bad, so many inability to throw the ball down the field, to protect the quarterback, I think this guy belongs under center. I think he should be running boots and nakeds and all those kind of things to help himself. But to me, Baltimore season really is going to come down to Ken Lamar bounce back. Maybe not to the 19 season, but at least to the 20 season. Right. No, and you think about now, and I'm sure from you know, from your perspective as a former GM, thinking about, all right, how do we put Lamar in more of a position to be successful? How much do you weigh in, though, the fact that the wide receiver core on paper is not exactly it, – it's not one that jumps off the page. And if it wasn't for Mark Andrews, we've talked about him in the past, one of the more valuable tight ends in the game. Michael, who, who knows what you'd really be getting and how reliable can you really assign this wide receiver core uh, being here as you prepare for the season? Well, I mean, Mark Andrews is their – I mean, the reason why Mark Andrews is such a, a factor in their passing game is because Lamar is such a factor in throwing the ball in the middle of the field. Lamar does not throw the ball outside the numbers and down the field to the deep third part of the field. This is why when you watch the tape, you know, Andrews has such a high percentage of catch. He's at 70%. The ball's thrown to him 70% of the time. I mean, he had 153 targets last year, Ben. That's a lot for a tight end. Mm-hmm. I mean, 153. Now, they got to replace Marquise Brown's 146 targets. He got a bunch of targets as well. So that they're going to have to – Rashard Bell, he's going to – Bateman's going to have to really come up and take a step up. They're counting on him to be the guy. You know, he started four games. He played in 12. He should be ready to play at a higher level this year. It's wild how only six tight ends were targeted more than 100 times last year. Mark Andrews, 153. Travis Kelsey, Michael, was second, and that was 134. And we view him as just a generational-type piece at that position. So everything you say, it makes, makes a lot of sense coming in. We'll do kind of the deeper dive here on the rest of this division coming up next. When you think about where Baltimore's at, we'll look at the odds board next as well. But Baltimore, pretty much a consensus favorite right now, about plus 150 in that division. But they and Cincinnati, the defending AFC champions, pretty much priced the same in the markets right now if you look at the general futures for AFC championship and Super Bowl. We'll get Michael's take on it. Is that fair right now coming out? We'll also get Thomas Gable's breakdown, what he is seeing at the Borgata as far as the handle coming in on the AFC North race. We'll do that all here in the next couple of segments as we're just underway. Monday morning edition of the Lombardi Line here from v the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. As we're just getting started, Monday edition of the Lombardi Line here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network with Michael Lombardi. Follow him, by the way, at M. Lombardi NFL. I'm Ben Wilson here in Las Vegas, our South Point Sportsbook studio, talking all things AFC North, Michael. As we take a look at the actual odds here, we've seen a pretty significant shift now, and even in the past couple of weeks, as the wait for Deshaun Watson's official suspension continues here, Browns have now moved to 3-1 to one as the third betting favorite. Ravens right now are your favorite, plus 150. And we'll get into the, the comparisons here in a second between the Ravens and the Bengals, how you view the general futures odds, because as everybody can see here, Ravens and Bengals, they're the same at least with the conference and Super Bowl odds at the moment. Ravens a plus 150 favorite, though, to come out of the, of the division at this point. As we talk now here on the eve of training camp for many, many clubs there, Michael, how do you handicap at least these top two uh, in the division and, and trying to separate what we're seeing here out of both Baltimore and Cincinnati, the team that had that great deep run last year in the playoffs? You know, I am a little surprised that the book, the, that, that the analytical departments of the book really have the Ravens this high. You know, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. Like, you know, they're a little longer on defense. I don't know if they'll be as good effect, uh, defensively as they were. And then the questions remain about Lamar and their offensive line. You know, they have the greatest kicker. You know, one thing about this division, every team has a good kicker. So it's the, the, right. the games are always close and the kickers matter. I mean, but I, I, I think part of this is maybe this is just me from studying them. I, I think there's a sense – around from the odds makers that perhaps Cincinnati was luckier than they were good last year. You know, because when you really go over that season, especially the playoff run, and you go through some of the games. Now, I'm not dismissing anything what they did. They won 10 games, you know, and they won they, the, what they went. They, they lost an overtime game. They won. They were one and two in overtime games. I mean, they could have beaten Green Bay. You know, they could have lost to Green Bay. They ended up losing to Green Bay. And then Kansas City, they win that in overtime. And they could have lost that game, the playoff game, right? So, that, But you beat Kansas City twice. I, I think you got to be a pretty good team. But, you know, for me, they were kind of fortunate, you know. And I think the book's reflective of that. And I think they're a better team this year. When you look at them on paper, they're better in the offensive line. They should be better in the offensive They can't be any worse in the offensive line, right? Right. There's no way they could be worse in the offensive line. I mean, Burrow, we're talking about Lamar Jackson getting hit 9% of the time every time he dropped back. Burrow was hit 9% of the time on his 520 attempts. I mean, so, you know, he got hit way too much. and But he was effective with the ball he protected the football only 14 interceptions and especially after the game against the chargers they really cut down their turnovers after that charger game ben where they had four turnovers in that game they only had four turnovers for the remaining of the season including the playoffs 
Think about that. And only loss in that stretch was the overtime game you talked about against San Francisco. Uh, and then really the, I mean, then the, the final game when they had, they were sitting most of their guys, if you don't count that, the Cleveland game to end the season and then the Super Bowl. That was, that was basically it. Six and two in the final eight after that Charger game, as you mentioned. I wonder how much goes in, though, if, if you're thinking of the, uh, you know, the odds makers' minds here and we're, we're trying to differentiate these two teams, is just the general infrastructure. Like, I know how complimentary you've been over the years of what John Harbaugh has done in Baltimore and, and the way they set up, I mean, how good their special teams are year in and year out. And when you have the number one kicker in the game, right, I get it. That and maybe the greatest kicker of all time. That's certainly easy to differentiate yourself there. You, you juxtapose that, though, to Cincinnati, where Zach Taylor was pretty, I don't know. I mean, was he on the hot seat last year? I have to think he was a guy who hadn't done much of anything in the first two years, albeit with a lot of injuries and other other excuses built in. But is that one, is that one of those chasms that you feel like is viewed still pretty widely by most people within the league circles there? Well, I think there are, you know, but Cincinnati special teams were good last year. I think there's no denying that. I think you've got to pay attention to that. I think I think they were they were as good as, as they've been. Simmons does a really good job, you know, and I, and I think when you break down Cincinnati offensively, you know, they were seventh in the National Football League and start where they started, you know. Now, the problem last year is – is it took they were 29th in the league especially this is remarkable ben when you do research on the bengals they were 29th in the national football league last year in the number of plays per drive to get a score and yet they were a big strike offense they were able to score they scored 12 percent of the time when they got the football offensively that's pretty remarkable pretty remarkable Mm -hmm. and and for a team that made a lot of big plays, they were able to methodically work the ball down the field. So, you know, their offense should be better. Baltimore, to me, the reason I think Baltimore has that advantage is, like you said, can Zach Taylor duplicate what he did last year? Can Evan McPherson duplicate what he did last year? I mean, this guy made 14 field goals in in, in the playoff games. Can he continue to be at that pace? You know, he only kicked – he only kicked 28 field goals during the regular season. He kicked 14, no, excuse me, he kicked 33 during the regular season. He kicked 14 in the postseason. It's amazing when you really think about it from that perspective. And you mentioned also the uh, the Packers game, too. That was really, I mean, that's a swing game where it was the one bad McPherson game, if you're really looking at the you know, the whole of last year. Yeah, he missed, but, but it was and, a bad was Crosby those, game. Remember Crosby? Uh, right. That was, I thought yes. Crosby was going to get cut after that game the way he was so bad. I know. It was like, which which kicker wants to blow it more? I, I remember that game very well. <laughs> it was, yeah, if you, whoever you bet on, I think that was one of those games that got, that got middled because I think the Packers were a three or a three and a half point favorite. So it was just like, the swings back and forth were just ridiculous down the stretch. I just wonder now, like if you're putting yourself in the shoes of if you're if you're we're signing Michael Lombardi, Bengals GM right now, how are you how are you handing handling things if if you're looking at and trying to, you know, honestly assess what you've seen out of Zach Taylor so far? And if, if you're in their shoes right now, like do you feel like that was a fortunate stretch out of him and out of you know, maybe you get some overperformance in some of those positions? Or do you feel like, look, he certainly showed a lot of improvement in year three, and, and let's just ride it and, and let, let's trust him to figure out some of the game management things that plagued him early on in his head coaching career? Yeah, and I would also remind him that, you know, look, Zach, our best players have to be on the field when we need them the most. Like, we need, we can't have Perrine on the field when we need Joe Mixon. Like, they got to give Joe Mixon the ball. Joe Mixon is really good, and, and they've got to be able to really ride him. They've got to be able to ride him in the passing game and, in, and, you know, in the running game as well. But they should be able to be better in the run game with him because he's, they've got a better offensive line. They've got a much better offensive line. But he can still – he's dynamic. He can make some plays. He had 42 catches in the passing game. He could do some things in the passing game too. So I think Zach's got to improve in that area. And I think the defense has got to maintain their level of, of play. It was kind of two ta- a tale of two teams defensively last year. During the regular season, they couldn't stop the run, right? The, the, during the regular season, they stopped the run, excuse me. And then they couldn't really stop the pass. When the postseason came along – they gave up the run. Three of the four teams ran for over 100 yards. Only the Rams couldn't run against them. They did a great job of game planning the run game against the Rams. The Rams had 23 carries for 53 yards. But they really were much better defending the forward pass in the postseason. And that was kind of interesting. They were better with that mm-hmm. than they ever were. And, and that's going to be interesting to see how that turns around. I mean, Hendrickson and Hubbard, those guys inside really gave them. And when they lost Ogajobi, the kid that Larry Ogajobi, the, the inside tackle, you know, that affected them a little bit. But they were able to pick it up. They get the kid P.J. Hill, who they traded for with the Giants. You know, he came in and played well. 
you think about, too, having DJ Reader in, who'd had the injury problems as well, but finally gets at least a full season under his belt last year in Cincinnati. And then you combine that with at the back end where you like you bring in Daxton Hill, Cam Taylor, Britt, where they add those two guys for the secondary. Uh, we know, you know we, we've talked about this before, where you're, you've kind of laughed almost at the whole, uh, the whole Jesse Bates contract deal, where that is still the, the piece that remains to be, remains to be seen what happens there. But you've, you've made your, your point very clear on, look, what, hey, the, the offer's well, out mean, there. You yeah, got to do what you got to do. Either you do or you don't. I mean, either you play football or you don't play football. I mean, like, where, where are you? You know, I'm sure he'll get, you know, he'll get some of the media to write about it, uh, you know. And so, but the reality of it is, is let's be real clear here. He, he's not going to, it's not going to tilt the field one way or the other. Not for Mike Brown, I could tell you that. Right. It's yeah, saying like he doesn't want to play on the tag, but as we've talked about, Mike Brown, he's made his position on this pretty clear. But when you consider all those different factors and the, the pieces they did bring in in the secondary, uh, and you know, you think about where the, these positional groups probably rank, I'm sure a lot of people look at them probably around mid-tier, but maybe slightly above average, meaning it could kind of go either way this year in Cincinnati. Where do you side, at least if we're looking at a secondary group that, as you mentioned, was kind of a, and just in general, it was a tale of two seasons. I thought they got better as the year went on. You know, I thought they got better as the year went on. And, and you know, uh, I, I think that they were able to overcome Eli Apple. And he actually started to play better in the second half of the season. Mike Hilton's a good star. And, 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 and the kid, I can't pronounce his name, Awaze, he was Uzi, really yeah. good. I thought he really took a he really took a huge step up there, you know. And, and look, they got Dax Hill. They they drafted him to replace Bates. There's no doubt about that. It's a very interesting year now for a team that comes off of that great run in the AFC to the AFC Championship, losing in the Super Bowl. They in Baltimore, pretty much one two right now. A team we haven't mentioned yet is Cleveland, which we're going to talk about in hour number two, uh, as well as that team at the bottom, Pittsburgh, who has not had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. Very fascinating division, and that's why we're doing the deep dive today here on the Lombardi line of the AFC North. Up next, though, we go out to the East Coast. Our friend Thomas Gable joins us from the Borgata, gives us his betting take on the AFC North. That's next here on the Lombardi line. The College Football Guide at VSIN is now out, and the Pro Football Guide is coming soon. There is no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons, and our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Reserve your copy of the Football Betting Guides today and get access to everything we offer for the entire football season with a VSIN All Access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Subscribe now at vsin.com slash subscribe. We welcome you back into the show here from the South Point Sportsbook Studio. I'm Ben Wilson, Michael Lombardi with us as always here on the Lombardi line. As we do pretty much every single Monday morning, we go at least Monday morning here on the West Coast, uh, just afternoon on the East Coast. We go out to the Borgata where the director of race and sportsbook operations there, Thomas Gable, is always kind enough to join us. And uh, we had a little bit of controversy over the weekend there, Thomas, with the, the NASCAR race. I'm not a big NASCAR guy. I don't, I don't know. Michael, you can jump in. I don't think Michael is either. No. Uh, we were not watching the race yesterday, but apparently pretty big controversy there. Chase Elliott wins the race but he was not even he never led a single lap there so how did that all work out there at your book where a couple different drivers were disqualified there post-race and and how did you guys go about sorting out uh, who got paid there and who didn't yeah so uh, important it's one of those little funky situations that kind of come up uh, every so often in the sports betting world uh, where you have to consult the house rules and that's where where you want to go to uh, depending where you made your wager uh, so for us it's Really, whoever was declared the winner uh, when the race was complete, uh, that doesn't include the inspections and, and so forth when they uh, may overturn uh, the winner of the race. So uh, that's the way we had to play because that's the way our house rules are written. Um, I, I know, but every book is going to treat that differently. So just uh, take a look at uh, your, your house rules for whatever book you maybe have bet that race at. Good to know, Michael. Michael was no bad beats there for Michael. You weren't uh, you weren't sweating like. No, uh, I, I'm not. Look, I don't <laughs> bet football. You God knows I'm not going to bet racing. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, there's no chance. I don't know anything about it. They just go around and around and around. There's no traffic lights or anything. I no mean, I don't get it. <laughs> no traffic. You know? I literally had no idea until I woke up this morning and saw our daily email from uh, from Bill Eighty, and I was like, wait, there was controversy at NASCAR. I definitely have to ask Thomas about that. Uh, the real reason, though, we have you on today. We want to talk all things AFC North as we've started our division by division here NFL previews. 
Want to start just with, with how you guys have handled everything related to Deshaun Watson this year. We still have not had a decision come down. We're expecting that any day now for Deshaun. What has that done to you as, as far as the liability with where you've put the Browns at? I know right now you have them 3-1 to one here as your third betting favorites there in the AFC North. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, when I got the text from Matt Santos yesterday. They wanted to talk about the uh, AFC North. I thought, well, this is, uh, I think, one of the most interesting uh, divisions in, in football because you have that uh, Deshaun Watson news that has basically been looming over the division. I mean, it's the biggest story in football in the offseason. So uh, it certainly has affected things and how people are maybe playing the futures uh, in this division. And uh, how you look at the Browns as a whole, but um, you know this is going to be a competitive division. It, the other interesting thing about this is you have the reigning, defending uh, AFC conference champions in the Bengals, and they're not even favored to win their division this year. Uh, so it's there's a lot of question marks. I think overall, um, just even not looking at the the quarterback situation that you have, but uh, certainly there is a quarterback situation in this division as well. So you have you have Joe Burrow there, who established himself as one of the top quarterbacks in the league last year. Uh, I think though, if something happens to Burrow, you know, there's a pretty significant drop there to Brandon and Allen. So the health of Burrow is paramount here for the Bengals, plus 185 to win the division. The offensive line should be improved, uh, but Burrow he's taken some hits already in his young career, and you know that it's a little concerning. But I think overall, people. When they're betting the uh, when they're betting this division, um, they're tending to fade a little bit, fade the Bengals a little bit because you know there's always that Super Bowl hangover that's talked about. Uh, I think there's probably still some people who believe that the Bengals were fortunate uh, to get to where they did last year. Um, now, yes, they did earn it. They they they. Uh, made it to the Super Bowl, but I think uh, some people still felt some luck factored into that. They stayed relatively healthy. Um, but then you look at the favorite who for this division, that's the Baltimore Ravens. And you, know, you have Lamar Jackson uh, coming off a season last year that um, we certainly wasn't one of his top performing seasons, combined rushing and passing yards of uh, over 3,600. But um, you know, they're certainly hoping he returns to form that he, he showed about three years ago. Um, the two biggest question marks in this division as a whole are, are going to be the Browns and the Steelers. And you know, we already talked about the, the Watson suspension that's looming out there. Um, listen, Joshua Dobbs, Jacoby Brissett, nowhere near the same class of quarterback that Watson is. I, I think when you're looking at what Watson means to the number in a particular game, uh, you're looking basically at like a seven-point drop-off between him and Brissett. So um, whether Watson's going to be available at all uh, remains to be seen. And then you have the Steelers who brought in Mitchell Trubisky uh, to replace Roethlisberger, also drafted Kenny Pickett. Uh, But overall, I think Baltimore's defense is going to be what – that's them apart because last year, I mean, they're returning a lot of starters. Most of them didn't play a lot due to injury last year. And then they have two uh, free agents that they added in Marcus Williams and Kyle Fuller. So I think the depth there on the defense uh, is a good thing. And obviously they have a new defensive coordinator there, Mike McDonald. But, Michael, I want to just, just ask you, what, what do you think about Mike McDonald here and the the imprint he's going to make here on this defense. Well, I, you know, he he learned the defense under Don Martindale before he went to back, went to Michigan. So they're going to keep the structure of the defense that goes all the way back to really Dean Peace. What Martindale modified it. Dean Peace was more of a zone guy. Martindale kind of made it into the Buddy Ryanist kind of. They're going to pressure a lot and put a lot of heat on the quarterback, which really cost them last year. They didn't have corners to cover. So I get the sense they're going to be a little bit conservative. In that aspect, I don't think they're going to be as as flamboyant as Martindale was. But to me, you know, when you shift back over to Cleveland as you went through them and you got Joshua Dobbs and then you've got Jacoby Brissett. Wait a minute. They just signed Josh Rosen, too. So, like, 
Rosen was in Atlanta. Atlanta needs a quarterback badly. Arthur Smith is a quarterback coach who resurrected Ryan Tannehill's career, you know, and they let Rosen walk out of there with no real effort to sign him back, which makes me wonder what Cleveland saw in Rosen to think that he could come in here. I think if this guy gets suspended for eight games, I, I think it's going to be hard. But the one thing I do know about the Brownies is they got a really good running game. They're really good in the offensive line. And if they don't mm-hmm. turn the ball over, they can win games. I mean, remember, football's about don't lose the game first. You know, you might not win it, but don't lose it first. And a lot of these teams that get in these situations, they end up losing games before they give themselves a chance to win. Think about that Browns team yeah. where, where, they're, where they're at right now, too, uh, where you have an offensive line coming in. Guys, it projects to be pretty much I mean, league-wide top five in, in every single category. Uh, Josh Rosen, yes, two of 11 last year for what it's worth in Atlanta. Two interceptions. So I don't know if, if that sample size, Michael, was enough. That's all they, all they needed to see. They're like, all right, yeah, we're, we're good. We're, we're done with you. Um, as far as you know, the one thing we were talking about last segment, Thomas, is outside of the Browns thing, because we've, as we've talked about ad nauseums here over the offseason, it's one of those things, like, we get it, right? It, it, it's, it's always curious to hear how you guys handle things over there. But from our perspective, it's hard to really make a bet or advocate for anything until you really do know, even though everything Michael says, I mean, we have to, you have to certainly take that uh, for what it's worth with the lack of quarterback play they might have, depending on how long he is suspended here. But when you guys look at how, how some of these AFC Championship and Super Bowl odds come out, you've got the Ravens here as a pretty, not a, a super sizable favorite, but they are definitely favored here over uh, Cincinnati to actually win the division. Yet both teams, you've got them at the same number right now, AFC Conference and then Super Bowl odds as well. Is that strictly a, a liability thing or something else there with, with those two teams specifically there at the top? There's, some, there's obviously some movement there with, in terms of liability and how we've seen uh, bets come in. Um, but uh, a point I think to be made, and there might be an angle that some people are looking at with Watson, when, whenever the suspension is announced, and if it's not a large amount of games where you're going to see him uh, on the field at some point, and if they can make a push to the playoffs, well then I think that's where you're going to see uh, the shift there on at least the conference and Super Bowl odds, because if, if they can get into the playoffs and have Watson available, uh, suddenly they become a much more dangerous team. And the Browns also, real quick on their defense, I think, uh, I think they're still a little thin there on the, uh, on the interior, and the linebacking core doesn't really impress me there still with, uh, with Cleveland. I mean, they are, do have, obviously, Miles Garrett and uh, Clowney there. Um, so, but uh, I think they're still a little thin on the interior. Again, he is Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sportsbook at the Brigada. You can follow the Brigada in general at Brigada Sports there on Twitter. Thomas, we, yeah, as you, mind, as you mentioned when you came on, this division will be very, very interesting to see how things play out. Will it be this week? We're, we're not sure there on the Deshaun Watson news. By the way, though, uh, it's been a lot, lot of, a lot of movement, at least in that division specifically this offseason. I think the Ravens are over 2-1 to one when you guys open things up. Now here they are at uh, plus 150. Thanks, though, as always, Thomas, for giving us uh, some Thanks, time here TG. on the Lombardi Appreciate line. We'll, we'll catch up soon. Enjoy right? your week off, TG. Take some time <laughs> off, my man. All right, thank you. Appreciate it, guys. We don't we don't know what that word, what that statement means, Michael. Take time off. What I don't know. That, that's a foreign no, foreign concept. The TG's there. He's there all the time. You know. You know. He's there. I forgot to ask him about. It. He got a heavy ticket. Somebody beat him bad last week. Uh-oh. You don't know about that. I don't know. We'll come back more on the Lombardi line. Check out. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, 
it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code VEASAN200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 Moneyline wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM all season long. Sign up today with the King of Sportsbooks. Eligibility restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Big thanks, as always, to Thomas Gable for joining us here on a Monday. Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson in Las Vegas. Joined, as always, remotely, of course, by Michael Lombardi. That comes to us from the East Coast, as he always does here. And, Michael, we, we come off that discussion with Thomas. Thing, the thing I was just thinking about when you, you mentioned the whole Josh Rosen signing there in Cleveland and, and why would they go into that when, when you talked about a quarterback developer and Arthur Smith pretty blatantly taking a pass there on Rosen. If you're handicapping, like if we just start from the, say, the GM rooms and the coaches rooms, how would you rank one through four, like the, the GM-coach combos right now in the AFC North, just, just in, a, in a general sense you're heading into this year? Well, I mean, look, Baltimore's got an advantage. They've they've been in place. Harbaugh's won a Super Bowl. DaCosta's been part of a Super Bowl program there. So they do. Mike Brown and Katie Blackburn, his daughter, they run the team. I think Zach Taylor's learning on the job. I mean, when you hire somebody as young and inexperienced as Zach Taylor, you have to expect he's going to learn on the job. I mean, Pittsburgh's dynamic. Omar Khan takes over for Kevin Colbert. But nothing really changes in Pittsburgh. They have a way of doing mm-hmm. it. Mike Tomlin, to me, you know, I would be betting the under quickly based on the Steelers' personnel. But Tomlin, you just can't underestimate him. I mean, he's a really good coach. I know the analytical community makes fun of him on certain things, but the guy produces. He's going in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the guy's a Hall of Fame oh, coach, yeah, no and he deserves to be. There's only 34 coaches in the Hall of Fame right now. And he's going to be one when he decides to step away because his, he's a masterful motivator. The players play well. And that team last year that made the playoffs was a bad team in spite of what Ben recently said. Ben thought he played well last year. I, I didn't see it, but Ben thought he did. So, you know, I, I, so I, that's why I'm a little bit reluctant to bet the under on Pittsburgh. So, And then Cleveland's, you know, I mean, they got Paul DePodesto was in baseball, you know, and, and – and then they got Andrew Barry, who's more from the analytical community. And then they got Kevin Stefanski, who did a wonderful job his first year. So I, I think they're all kind of – they all know who they are, right? I think that's the best right. thing you could say. They all know who they are. Cleveland has had a hard time understanding how to build their team because their owner is listening to everybody. He takes counsel from everybody, and he changes direction every two steps. So, But now I think he's kind of in, in a groove. You would think so. 
But uh, so they're the only ones that I would feel a little bit unsure of just because of the way Jimmy Haslam has operated that team since the day he walked in the league. Right. And, and Pittsburgh team, we're going to do our full breakdown on them here next hour. But looking at Cleveland, because there are still a lot of other things we can break down with the Browns, even outside of Deshaun Watson, even if we can sit here and say, well, you, there's really not a bet to be made since A, there's no win total even on the board. And B, it's really hard to actually assess things until we know the length of his suspension there. But for the rest of that organization, uh, Stefanski is a guy who, I, I don't know, was it because Maybe it was Cleveland where you have such a long playoff drought. Was that potentially slightly overrated the job he did year one? It was awfully impressive no. to get them back to the playoffs. But that was kind of a general thought. I, you know, you heard from some circles, Michael. You certainly don't, don't seem to agree on that. No, I mean, I think, look, he did a great job. He married the scheme that he runs. And give Deep Podesto and Barry credit, too, because they hired Stefanski for the scheme that he runs. It's a cross between the Kubiak. It's the West Coast, Kubi, West Coast Shanahan offense, right? When, when Stefanski first went, when he left Penn and he became a graduate assistant or an intern in Minnesota, he learned the West Coast from Brad Childress, which is day one install West Coast. That's Brad Childress's offense. And then when Kubiak came in, they kind of morphed into more of the outside zone, some of the Shanahan stuff, the hard play action pass, the boots and the nakeds incorporated in that the true West Coast guys run, but they don't run to the degree that Kubiak and Shanahan implemented in Denver. So that scheme was perfectly suited for Baker Mayfield, perfectly. You know, mm -hmm. and they got Baker to play at a high level. He had a lot of open throws. They got him out of the pocket. They made to go along with a very good run game. I mean, last year, in spite of all the problems they had, they were the best team in the National Football League in yards per attempt rushing. That's the critical stat. It's not how many yards you gain. It's how many yards you gain per attempt. That's key. And they did that really well. And they were able to, you know, they just couldn't throw the ball to the level that they needed to throw because people defended them differently. They took away their throws down the field. I think he's really done a nice job. I think the challenge is going to be now with now with the Watson coming in, he gets a more dynamic player to run that offense because when he goes out on a boot, you got to cover him, right? The, I tell this all the time. There's only one play in football where the quarterback blocks somebody, and that's the boot. Somebody's got to go with them. Mm -hmm. Whether he has the ball or not, you think he has the ball, you got to go with him. Because if he turns the corner and you don't go with him, he's going to gain yards, and he's a runner when he gets in the open field. So that element with Watson's legs certainly adds more to this offense. Right. And you also think, too, about how last year, and I don't know if how, where you lie on this, where let's just say they shut down Mayfield and they say, all right, you're not going to play hero. You're, you're not going to try to tough it out. I mean, they had the Thursday night game against Denver where they, I mean, they used their backups. They used Case Keenum really, really effectively and were able to, to scheme up a system that, that was able to get big yards in chunks there. And even with two of their top offensive linemen as well, Michael missing significant time last year, Still finished the year graded out top five offensive line, one of the best running games, if not the best, as you point out, in the NFL. Are, are you in that camp? If, if Just looking back at last year, if they just tell Baker, look, man, we get it. You want to play, but you're clearly, clearly compromised and you can't really throw. So we're going to sit you. We, we trust our scheme enough, even with a backup, that we can win games. Do you feel like that would have been a playoff team last year had they gone that route and actually just kind of sat Baker down and said, look, we, this is the reality here and we're not going to let you play? I think they probably would have been, you know, they, they would have been able to protect the ball a little bit better than they did in that game. The, to me, I think to Chubb missing two games hurt them. You know, Chubb's dynamic, mm -hmm. right? He averages 5-5 five, five attempt. Kareem Hunt only played in eight games. You know, they missed him. He averaged four dying a carry. I mean, that dynamic duo that they had really became a problem. It took a lot of the – it took some of the things that Mayfield was able to do and it took it away from him. And – I think, look, they, Case Keenum, they signed him because he was in Minnesota. Case Keenum actually led Minnesota to a playoff game, believe it or not. But he couldn't really come through and play. I think the other area where Cleveland was really concerned is I think Cleveland felt like their receiving core really didn't expose enough, stretch the field enough. I think that was one of the things. Landry was an inside slot receiver. So they kept trying to work Anthony Schwartz in, the kid they drafted from Auburn, who's really fast. They drafted him in the third round. you know, But he wasn't really quite ready to play. 
maybe this year he will be. They signed they 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 signed Jakeem Grant, the kid, the little guy who was in Miami, went to Chicago last year. He's an explosive returner. I think they wanted to get more speed, more strikeability. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed Will Fuller once they know that Watson's back. Will Fuller can't stay healthy, but he can make big plays right. down the field when he's on the field. You bring in Amari Cooper as well this year. We'll see. I mean, injury is such a big, big storyline with a guy like him as well. Can he stay healthy, and what does he bring on that offensive side? As far as the defense here for Cleveland, we, I know you've talked about this before when we did a GM shuffle together talking talking about some of your, uh, your your blue chips and red chips where, I mean, we all know about Miles Garrett and, and how effective of a pass rusher he is, but what else are you really getting out of Cleveland there on, if, when you look at their front four and what they're going to try to scheme up when you think about they brought in Perry and Winfrey uh, bringing, drafting him this year, but that's certainly a more of an edge guy. Like, where do, you, where do you sit on their interior rushers that certainly struggled last year at times getting pressures up the middle and stopping those middle runs? Look, they rank 13th in the National Football League and points scored against them, right? And they were 27th in the league in red zone off red zone defense. So you know what what that tells you is is there's a lot of room for improvement. And they were pretty good, like they were pretty good. Like if you got in the red zone, you scored on them. But you had a hard time scoring if you didn't get in the red zone. And so they've got to improve on that red zone defense. They've got to get better down there because if you combine what they can do from the field with their pass rush and their ability to get to the quarterback, I thought Clowney had one of his best seasons there last year. If they can improve on that and improve in that red zone defense, they can really lower that 13th ranking in terms of points allowed mm -hmm. to being in the top five. And if they do that and they, with that running game, they're going to have a chance to win games no matter who's playing quarterback. And you would think, too, you get the re-signing there of Clowney as well. I mean, Owusu Koromoa for a rookie last year, I mean, a big ask of him in the linebacker core for some of the deficiencies they had maybe at times on the interior side defensively, Michael. I mean, could you have asked for more out of a, out of a rookie thrown into a new scheme like that as a linebacker no, there? No doubt. And I mean, he, he, he played well. And I think that, you know, this is a defense that can improve. I mean, they, they've got to be able to stay healthy at corner. But and they've got to be able to continue to improve. And if they improve in that red zone, you know, if they do that, yeah. they're going to be tough. Red zone defense, kind of a big deal. I mean, red zone, everything, everything in the red zone. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's the reason why we, we kind of decipher it once you're inside the 20-yard lines. It means a little bit more. Cleveland Browns, that is a third team we've looked at here in the AFC North. They are third on the odds board right now, 3-1. to one. Again, all the Deshaun Watson news aside, we're just not really sure how that will impact the odds. We still have to get to the Steelers in hour number four. Also give the general breakdown of the whole division and the odds as we see it right now. But up next, we'll be joined by Harry Gagnon, former Las Vegas Sportsbook Supervisor Against All Odds podcast Host, he joins the show next as we roll into hour number two here on the Lombardi Line. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 